here for you to take a peek at, and uh, as we begin, uh, you'll see what we have here in this picture is a, a flock of sheep being led by a goat, okay? Now, this goat here, they refer to it as the Judas goat. They call it the Judas goat, and uh, what happens is uh, the Judas goat is trained to associate with the sheep or cattle and leads them to a specific destination. In stockyards, the Judas goat will lead sheep to slaughter uh, while its own life is spared. Uh, Judas goats are used to lead other animals to specific pens as well as onto trucks. And uh, uh, they have fallen out of use in recent times, but they still are used and can be found being used in various uh, slaughterhouses uh, around uh, the country as well as the world. So that's the Judas goat leading the flock of sheep. Here's something else that was interesting. Uh, I know the, um, there is uh, the, I'm going to see if I can say it right, the Galapagos Islands. Have you heard of the Galapagos Islands? Well, anyhow, there was an infestation of, of goats on this particular island. You know, they're not supposed to be there, not part of the natural habitat, but somebody had an idea, let's bring some goats there for whenever that happened. But anyhow, they multiplied, they grew, and they just took over the islands there. And so now they're in the process of eradication, eliminating these uh, feral goats and getting them out of the way. Well, there was a lot of them, you know, so they had hunters and stuff, so they shot them and disposed of them and stuff like that. But then when they got down to the, the last few of goats, they caught on. They got a little bit more craftier and smart, and so they wouldn't expose themselves all the time. So what they did is they caught a goat, uh, and then they put a radio collar on this goat and sent the goat out. And so, of course, goats are kind of family-oriented, you know, they like to flock together. And so this goat that had the radio collar was the Judas goat. And, he, and they would, or this goat would go and find the other goats. And, of course, then uh, the hunters and stuff had radios, and they found out where the other goats were hiding out. And so then they would go and, of course, exterminate those goats. And they used what they call the Judas goat. So the Judas goat is not necessarily your best friend, all right? Your best friend. Well, this morning, here's where we're going. Well, this morning we come to chapter 2 in our study on Second Peter. And uh, Peter warns the believer, he warns us to be aware of Judas teachers, okay? Not just Judas goats, but Judas teachers. In other words, he's talking about false teachers, and that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. A Judas teacher can lead the believer as well as the church into destruction. So we need to be aware of Judas teachers. Uh, we should not be surprised about Judas teachers because Satan's mission, the devil's mission, is to eradicate Christians and destroy churches. And to do that, the enemy uses Judas teachers. Now, over the past few weeks, we began our study uh, by right, reminding ourselves of Peter's goal and mission. And so we're going here now to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. And this is Peter's goal and mission. This is why Peter wrote not only 1 Peter, the letter 1 Peter, but this is why he also wrote 2 Peter. And he wrote these letters to remind us and to stimulate us to wholesome thinking. So Peter wrote these 
words, these these particular books, to stimulate us to wholesome thinking. And wholesome thinking is just, you know, having, in a general definition, wholesome thinking is having that proper thinking, that proper understanding, operating according to truth, okay? And that's what Peter wants us to do. He wants us to have wholesome thinking, proper thinking. He wants us to operate according to truth. So Peter's mission and goal this morning is to guide our thinking regarding false teachers or Judas teachers. So that's his intent. That's his goal this morning. He wants to guide us, help us uh, think properly about false teachers. Our scripture reading this morning is Second uh, Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And so uh, open up a copy of God's Word if you have it with you. And if not, uh, get your iPhone out or whatever it may be, or you can just look up here. We're just looking at three verses together this morning. And uh, again, Peter is talking to us. He wants to bring us some good instructions, some sound thinking regarding false teachers. So here's what he says. Dear friends... This is now my second letter to you. Oh, shoot, I'm in chapter 3. Sorry about that. Okay, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their shameful ways and, and, will bring, uh, and will bring the way of truth in disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. So that ends the reading of our passage of study this morning. And again, uh, Peter is bringing us some uh, sound wholesome thinking regarding false teachers, all right? That's very important. And so in order to know about these false teachers, we need to have kind of a, an understanding or at least have some, uh, some visible, some concrete evidence of how they operate so that we can recognize them. And so that's what we're going to be doing this morning. I'm going to bring to you eight characteristics of these false teachers that uh, these characteristics reveal that they are on a path to lead people astray as well as into destruction. So we're going to be looking uh, at eight characteristics, and they primarily come from these first three verses of chapter 2. But uh, the whole chapter, chapter 2, talks about these false teachers. So uh, let's begin by begin our quest for having some correct understanding regarding false teachers. We need to be able to recognize them so that we can address the issues if it perhaps is in our church or whatever church, okay? So I invite you to learn with me about these false teachers. So let's look at some biblical facts, some biblical characteristics of these false teachers. So here's the list, the list of eight of them, coming from verses 1 through 3. First of all, number one, regarding false teachers or Judas teachers, if you will, uh, number one, they secretly introduce lies, and that comes from verse 1. So... A false teacher will be will secretly introduce lies. They are crafty and they are sneaky. That's what we need to understand about false teachers. They're crafty, they are sneaky. Now the word that is translated secretly, remember they will secretly introduce heresies. That word translated secretly um, means to smuggle. All right? Means to smuggle. 
false teachers smuggle in false teaching. They're secret. They're sneaky. This means that uh, their teaching won't be blatant. You know, you're, you're going to hear a false teacher talking, and initially you're going to think, hmm, that's not too bad. That doesn't sound too bad. So they're, they're going to be real sneaky. It's not going to be very obvious that they're wrong. Nobody's going to come in and say, you know, uh, Jesus was not born of a Virgin Mary. They, they won't come out and be that blatant, okay? But they'll be sneaky in other ways of teaching. So we need to understand that they secretly introduce um, lies. They will pull a slant or put a spin on a doctrinal issue that sounds good at first, but in the end is very destructive. So number one, false teachers are sneaky. They secretly introduce lies. Number two, when it comes to false teachers, verse one says that they deny the sufficiency of Christ's death. They deny the sufficiency of Christ's death. Look with me at 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, but there will be false prophets among them, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies. They will smuggle in lies. Uh, then it says, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them. They will deny the sovereign Lord who bought them. They bought them. So they, so they deny the sufficiency of Christ. Now, there's a number of ways that an individual or even a false teacher can deny the, the sufficiency of Jesus' death. Uh, one way you can deny it is through your lifestyle. Now, the way a person lives can really deny the sufficiency of Christ's death. In fact, we will be talking a little bit here just shortly about some of the lifestyle of these false teachers. And it's the lifestyle of these false teachers that uh, brings disrepute to God's word. So you can, through your lifestyle, deny the sufficiency of Christ. Another errant teaching that creeps into our thinking, if not our thinking, but the thinking of the church and so forth, another errant teaching that denies the sovereign Lord's uh, the sufficiency of Christ's death is the works mentality. Okay, so that's another one that we've got to deal with. It's the works mentality, meaning uh, everyone thinks, okay, everyone I've talked to at least and kind of shared the gospel with, every one of those that I've shared with, they think that they gain God's goodness by their goodness, all right? Uh, they think that their goodness gains the favor of God. They don't do this, so therefore God's going to be pleased, okay? They're not like so-and-so, therefore God is going to be pleased. You know, they think their goodness will gain a hearing with God. But the truth of the matter is, you cannot do anything to earn your salvation, okay? You can't do anything. I can't do anything. But there is that thinking out there that, hey, I'm not too bad. I'm not too, too evil. I'm a good person. Therefore, God must be pleased. No, that's not true. That's not how we're going to get to heaven. But there is that inerrant thought out there, not inerrant, that errant, errant thought out there that my works, my goodness, will gain favor in God's eyes, and that is not true. So that's one of the false ideas out there. Number three, okay, we're talking about these false teachers. These false teachers do have influence. That's 
Number three, they do have influence, and that comes from verse two. Uh, verse two instructs us that many will follow. See that there? Many will follow their shameful ways. False teachers carry clout for they have supporters. So we need to understand when it comes to false teachers, Judas teachers, um, people do follow. They gain support. All right? Uh, Let me share with you a couple of Bible passages. Uh, The first one here is from Matthew, and it reads like this. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And it says this, and many, see that? And many enter through it. Again, I think a passage that kind of affirms the fact that false teachers will have many followers, okay? Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4 shares these words. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And again, just talking about, you know, there, there's not just a couple, just a few people that uh, have been deceived by the false teaching. There are many. There are many. So they do have influence. So what we do know about false teachers is that they do have influence. Number four, number four, false teachers, they act shamefully. They act shamefully. Again, that's in verse 2. Many will follow their shameful ways, verse 2 says. And they will bring the way of truth into disrepute. Uh, further on in chapter 2, we have a little bit more description of the shameful ways. Okay, remember, these false teachers are engaged in shameful ways. Okay, what are these same shameful ways? Well, I think verses 13 and 14 in chapter 2 give us a little more of a description. So let's look at those verses together. Verse 13 says this. Um, these false teachers, they will be paid back harm for the harm they have done. You can count on that. And it goes on to says, their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. They are blots and blemishes, uh, reveling in pleasures while they feast with you. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable, They are experts in greed. They are an accused brood, it says. They're accused broods. So they they, uh, they participate in shameful acts. Shameful acts. Moving on, number five. False teachers, they are greedy. And that comes from verse three. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you. That's what Peter says there in verse three. Now, greed, greed is this selfish desire for something. If you're greedy, that means you have a selfish desire for something. Uh, Could be for money, could be for power. Uh, You know, there's just numerous things that you could have uh, this selfish desire for. And and Peter is telling us that false teachers, they're greedy. They have a selfish desire. They're, They're trying to gain something. They're trying to get something. And so that's their pursuit. Um... So they are greedy. And uh, moving on here to number six regarding them. uh, False teachers, they treat people as merchandise. That's in verse three there. They treat people as 
merchandise. Let's look at verse 3 once again. It says, in the, their greed, these false teachers, in their greed, in their selfish desires, these teachers will exploit you, it says there. Now that word exploit, in the King James it says merchandise. Merchandise. False teachers will, te- will treat you like merchandise. Uh, false teachers, to them, you are a commodity for their benefit. That's a false teacher. So you're merchandise. I think that's interesting. You're merchandise. Um, I, I hopped on YouTube just for a little inf- information. You can't, of course, you can't trust everything on YouTube, but... Uh, I Googled, here's what I did. I Googled uh, preachers and jets. That's what I'd put on there, okay? Preachers and jets. And uh, I don't know if you've heard or caught any of this. Some of this has been in the news. But uh, there is a televangelist. His name is Jesse Duplantis. And he is trying to raise $54 million for a new plane, a new jet. Not just any jet. He wants... The new Falcon X jet. God told him that he should get the the Falcon X jet. And so he is asking his followers for $54 million. To me, people are being treated like merchandise. That's what it sounds like to me. Okay, that's what it looks like. Merchandise. False teachers treat you like merchandise. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to take a little rabbit trail here with you. Okay. Regarding this, uh, in chapter two, it talks a little bit more about the judgment too, that these false teachers, and we'll get to the judgment next, next week, but, uh, they are, the false teachers are kind of guilty. It says, uh, they, they're guilty of following the way of Balaam. Okay. They're, they're guilty of following the way of Balaam and, now, this is not in the notes. This is in, not in your outline. But the way of Balaam, if you go back to the Old Testament, there's a story about a prophet. A prophet, his name is Balaam. And the king, one of the pagan kings at that day, hired Balaam to pronounce a curse on Israel. Okay? And so he thought that'd be all right. But he says, I first got to consult God. So he's not a good prophet, but yet he knows he needs to consult God. And God says, don't do what this king wants you to do. Okay? But anyhow, in the end, this, uh, this prophet twists some things so that he can eventually get some money in return and so forth. Uh, I guess what I really wanted to, do, to share with you regarding the, the way of Balaam, uh, God used this prophet anyhow. Even though he wasn't on the up and up, he was shady. He was into some selfish gain and stuff. But even though that was true, God still used this man. And so what I'm, basically what I wanted to say, even though I've mentioned Jesse Duplantis by name, I'm sure God has used him in some ways, all right? So I'm not trying to be totally judgmental about the good that he's done. But it just seems like this blatant request for $54 million dollars so I can have not just a jet, but the Falcon X seems to indicate people are merchandise. All right? So they treat people as merchandise. Number seven. Uh, in addition to merchandise, verse three says, uh, they 
They exploit you, okay? They treat you as merchandise with stories they have made up, it says there in verse 3, with stories they have made up. Now, the words that are translated stories they have made up is an interesting word as well. Uh, the word made up stories is the Greek word plastos, plastos, from which we get our English word plastic, okay? The Greek word is plastos. We get our word plastic. And what do we know about plastic? Plastic, you can twist it, okay? Some plastic you can stretch. You can use plastic to cover stuff, to cover what's really in the bowl, okay? All right? Um, I think that's just an interesting word that, you know, God is using. So these false teachers, they twist, they stretch the truth by using stories, okay? Using stories. Now, I'm going to go back and I'm going to pick on this televangelist. Um, his story is God told him to go for the Falcon X, okay? Uh, I'll let you just think about that, okay? Uh, and you guys can Google this stuff. Just go preacher and jet, pre preacher and private jet. But not only uh, Jesse Duplantis, there was another gentleman, Kenneth Copeland, um, and again, this is in with the stories. Kenneth Copeland, he was telling the story. Yeah, we need these jets, he says. Because how can you pray in a jet, you know, when there's a lot of other people surrounding you, you know? Uh, and uh, there's more to it. But basically, he says, his words, his story is, this is the story he made up, you know? He says, you're put in this tube with a lot of heathens. Basically, you're in a tube with a bunch of demons, so how can you really prepare yourself for ministry if you're in a tube, this long tube with a bunch of demons? Okay, that's his story, all right? And he uses that story to support the fact that he needs his own private jet. So, I'm saying false teachers will treat you as merchandise. I'm not saying this. This is what God says. God says that in his word. They're going to treat you. They're going to exploit you. They're going to treat you like merchandise, and they're going to do so by fabricating these crazy, plastic, stretchy, twisty stories in order to satisfy, I'm going to say it, satisfy the greed, okay? They have a selfish desire. They're in pursuit of something. And so that's what they do. So made-up stories, it says. Well, then that was number seven, okay? So they make up stories. And then there's the last one here. They teach licentiousness. Licentiousness. That's, that's not necessarily in verses three. I get that from verse 19 of chapter 2. Um, verse 19 says this. Uh, These false teachers, they promise their hearers freedom while they, they themselves are slaves to depravity. For a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. So licentiousness, what they're preaching, licentiousness is defined as making more, or here, here it is. The definition of licentiousness is this. Lacking moral restraints, or having a disregard for rules of correctness. Okay, that's licentiousness. Lacking moral restraints, or having a disregard for rules of correctness. That's, that's licentiousness. And so these false teachers, as they teach, they teach a message, they propagate a message um, 
that diffuses moral restraints. Uh, it, they, they make it sound like it's okay uh, to exercise and fulfill and satisfy your human impulses. That's what they're going to say. Uh, here's a question for you regarding licentiousness. The idea of no moral restraints or disregard for rules of correctness. Here's the question. What are the biggest scandals that seem to hit the church? You, you can say it. What are the biggest scandals that seem to hit the church? It has to do in the category of what? Morality, right? That's what happens. Why is that? Why is that? Is it because there are Judas teachers out there who have a disregard for rules of correctness and downplay the facts of being having moral restraints? Could that be the reason why churches are getting blasted, not you know, in general, and making headlines? Could it be false teaching? Well, Peter this morning, remember our theme verse when it comes to Peter is um, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. And he wants to teach us, he wants to write so that he can uh, remind us as well as uh, help us establish wholesome thinking. And so Peter says, okay, here's some wholesome thinking. This, we as a church, even, even us as a church, but church in general, we need to be on our guard, all right? We need to be alert to how Satan plays the game. And uh, one way that Satan plays the game, and it's not good, is that he likes to use the Judas teachers, all right? Those who are sneaky and crafty, who come in, gain a following, all right? Try to influence people. They act shamefully. They're greedy. They're in pursuit of something. They treat people as merchandise. They, the, the word of God becomes plastic to them, so they stretch it and they, they turn it and twist it. And uh, what we end up is people engaging in all kinds of behavior. You know, they cast off moral restraint. Why? Because the preacher practices what he preaches. You know what I'm saying? So Peter says, that's what can happen. That's what can go on in the church. And he says, I want people, I want followers of Jesus Christ to be smart. I want them to be alert. I want them to be aware of how evil can permeate through a church body. And it comes initially sounding and looking pretty good. But they're following the Judas goat. And the end is slaughter and destruction. So Peter says, I want the church, I want them to be aware of what these false teachers are like and look like. And so that was his intent this morning as we work through the first few verses of 2 Peter chapter 2. Next week, uh, we're going to be back in chapter 2. And uh, so what's going to happen to these false teachers? Well, again, Peter brings some wholesome thinking. He says, okay, we got some bad guys. They think they're getting away with it? Uh-uh. God's on top of this. And we'll talk about that next week. Let's pray. Lord, thanks again for your... Uh, your word, and thank you for the freedom and the opportunity for us to 
uh, look at your word. Um, Lord, um, may we be a people that uh, strives daily to cherish and and uh, eat and uh, elevate your word, using it as our standard, as our guide. Um, Lord, there's so much out there that uh, kind of sounds good, but when placed alongside your word, uh, we see the cracks, we see, we see the scars. So God, may we be a people that is quick to say, where is that written in your word? And I pray all this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everybody.